0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One-one pitch, fastball pulled, and fast, Alvarez in 20th Get up, Bob, get up, get out of here, Got a fantasy question? Email Baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy
1: becomes real
0: now here's adam scott heath and chris sleepers
2: breakouts and busts today from mr heath cummings he who's one player that fits into one of those categories that you're really excited to talk about and then i'm gonna guess which category he fits in
0: i'll say the one player is shane beaver beaver mania
2: i had to look down at my notes he's a breakout i cheated i knew he was a breakout. so
0: that what was the point of that exercise Great intro, Adam.
2: Yeah, you you know what? You coughed during my intro. We're 30 seconds in. You've already coughed. You're coughing again.
1: Than, yeah. What so is wrong with you? It's better than the first intro. So let me explain. <laughs> Adam started the intro for the show previously, and Heath went on an entirely different path because he didn't realize we had started recording. Yeah. Uh, it caused some laughter. I nearly choked on a mint. That I was chewing, and so I'm still dealing with the after effects of that. Okay. And was it an Andes mint? Uh, no, it was a lifesaver or a breath saver. Oh,
2: okay. She so should go with Andes. All right, so let's uh, get into the show. We'll do sleepers, breakouts, and busts. We got the fantasy regulators coming on today. I know everybody's excited about that. First, Andes com- really isn't a mint. It's minty. It's chocolate <laughs> It's with minty. Mint it. You wouldn't eat that to, like,
1: freshen your breath.
2: I guess not, but you would eat it to have fun and enjoy life. <laughs> um, Bet Online, uh, a a betting site, an online betting site. Bet Online has uh, San Francisco as the favorite to sign Bryce Harper, and the Yankees as the favorite to sign Manny Machado. So Chris said he was going to crap all over that news item. So please, Chris,
1: do are we to believe that Bet Online has some sources within Scott Boris's office and/or the front office of the San Francisco Giants or the New York Yankees? This is utterly meaningless. This tells us nothing at all. <laughs> okay. Well, it doesn't. It What What are we doing? I don't know. We're just We're having fun. Some, this one, like, we can talk about Bryce Harper going to San Francisco and the possible repercussions of that, but I'm not going to, like, pretend like it's going to happen. Like, the Nationals have the longest odds. As far as we know, they still have the biggest offer out. So you would change the odds? You think you know more than Bet Online? Oh, I I'd put fifty bucks on the Nationals re signing him at ten to one for sure. Okay. All right, Chris. Well good luck to you.
2: <laughs> a lot of goodbye, a lot of Andy's mints with that money. Uh Bryce Harper has a career 164 one sixty four three oh five two eighty four slash line at Oracle Park, although it had never been Oracle Park. Uh in nineteen games. Two home runs, two doubles in nineteen games. Manny Machado a little disappointing 821 OPS career at Yankee Stadium, but I would take the over if he were to go to Yankee Stadium. Uh, we will be talking about uh, Miguel Andujar on today's show, by the way, and he would be impacted by a potential Manny Machado signing.
0: Yeah, the main thing, I don't care really what Bryce Harper's slash line is because it's such a small sample size, but Fangraph's park factors for home runs for left-handed hitters by park, 100 is average There's a lot of teams in the, in the mid-90s. The second worst park is Marlins Park at eighty nine. The Giants are at eighty-two. They are so far outside the norm and the range of any other park for a left-handed power hitter. They're the exact opposite, obviously, of Yankee Stadium.
1: Yeah, Giants left handed hitters had a seven oh eight OPS at uh, at Giants or at Oracle, Oracle. Park, I yeah. guess is what it's called now. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, let me take a look and see what opposing hitters did.
2: Or can you see what Giants lefties did away from Oracle Park? Maybe that would be
1: I could, helpful. but I already started looking for the other one.
2: Well, uh, the other news item today, Brett Anderson signed a one-year deal with Oakland, and he's probably going to be in their rotation. The A's have a terrible—they don't even have a rotation yet. They're going to have a terrible rotation. Really
0: yeah, bad. normally when they when a team signs a veteran like this, you'd say, oh, that's bad news for the rookies, and we're really excited about the Oakland rookies. They've got so few starting pitchers that they could sign like three guys, and I'm still not sure it would keep the rookies out.
2: Okay, Chris, are we ready, or can we move on?
1: Sub-700 OPS for opposing hitters, left-handed hitters at Oracle Park, and Giants hitters, it appears, had a 673 OPS away from home last year as left-handers, but... I think that might be more a result of the left-handers they have.
2: All right, let's look at some of Heath's sleepers, Heath's breakouts, and Heath's busts. All right, Heath, we got Billy Hamilton as a sleeper. Had to have a Royal on here, so here's Billy Hamilton.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously because he's a Royal. It's also because, like, he was a 6th or 7th round draft pick most of the last five years, and now he's going in, I think, the 16th round by ADP. Because he had a bad year. He hit 236, stole 34 bases. But the four years before that, he had at least 56 steals. He's generally hit for a slightly better average than that. And he's gone to a team in the Royals that really has nothing to do but try to steal bases because they're not going to hit any home runs or win any games. He's going to have these uber green light. I expect him to get back to the mid-50s in terms of steals. I think there's a decent chance he scores 70-ish runs, so he won't hurt you there. And the batting average will come back a little bit, even if it's still going to be bad.
1: And his average sprint speed, according to Baseball Savant, was identical to 2017. So it's not like he he lost some foot speed there. Did you mention Billy Hamilton's ADP?
0: It is 167 overall.
2: Mm, I got it at 162, Heath.
0: Well, I was looking at NFBC.
2: Oh, okay. I'm just looking at Fantasy Pros. So we're talking in the 160s for Billy Hamilton. And final question on him you know, last year he lost playing time because he hit so poorly. Do the Royals have the luxury of benching no. him?
0: No. Okay. I mean, they could play Brett Phillips in center and Jorge Bonifacio in right, but I think it's going to take quite a bit for that to happen. I
2: mean, it's very important because the Reds had a bit of an outfield logjam and the Royals
1: don't. Okay. And I think it's interesting to note that like Malik Smith is going probably nine, 70 picks ahead of Billy Hamilton at this point, and there may not be that much of a difference between them. I mean, Malik Smith did hit for a high average last year, but there are reasons to believe uh, that that was a little lucky. If he falls back to the to 270 range, you know, if Billy Hamilton hits 240 but steals 15 more bases, that's probably a more valuable player. And I, I think it'll be really interesting with Hamilton. There's a
0: chance, because I'm not currently projecting him to lead off, but one of Mondesi or... Or Hamilton, I think, is going to lead off, and one of them's going to hit ninth. I still think he's a fine sleeper if he hits ninth. But if he hits lead off, he could have massive value here. Cody
2: Allen, the new Angels closer, uh, certainly coming off his his worst season. Uh, you're calling him though a sleeper at 30 years old for Cody Allen.
0: Yeah, I think the the change to Anaheim is maybe bad in terms of total save opportunities. But I do. he doesn't have to deal with Andrew Miller anymore, and I do think that's a good thing for him. And even in a down year, he posted 10.7K per nine. His K percentage was still, for the most part, fine. Um, I'm just more likely to believe, for a guy that we've got a five-year or four-year history of a sub-three ERA, that in the small sample size that is one year for a reliever, his control problems and home run problems last year were more of a blip on the radar than a sign that he started to diminish when he was just 29 last year.
2: Yeah, uh, maybe if there's any concern about Cody Allen, his velocity's dipping a little bit. Uh, yeah, just did, But yeah, I mean, it was five straight years with a sub three ERA before 2018, where it was 470. Um, and then in terms of competition in the bullpen, Ty Buttry, we liked him at the end of last year, but he's unproven. Hansel Robles doesn't really feel like a closer. Justin Anderson, Cam Drosian. I mean, these guys have had their chances. Uh, Allen certainly.
1: No, nobody's going to take the job
0: from Allen. No, and I, I, I think I, I, you would never project a 30-year-old for a career high in something, but I think there's a pretty reasonable chance that Cody Allen has a career high in saves.
1: Yeah, game. especially because saves are all about usage, not, for the most part, town. Okay, Jed Lowry is your
2: third sleeper. He is probably going to bat second, and uh, it seems like he's going to be, at least they're saying, an everyday player for the Mets, or close to everyday, Jed Lowry was the number four second baseman in points leagues, number seven in Roto last year,
0: and that's the, 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 the probably the biggest key for Jed Lowry because I understand why people aren't excited about him. But if you're talking about 20 home runs and even you dip drop them a little bit, and it's 165 runs plus RBI out of a second baseman, that's a top ten second baseman easily. He's got an ADP basically in the next to last round of a standard Roto draft to 260, I think is what it was. And I do think there's a chance, because last year, you look at it, he hit 23 home runs. That was a career high. I would understand he's 34 years old. You think maybe he comes down from that a little bit. But this is a better park for power hitters, for left-handed power hitters specifically. And he's going to spend most of his time on the left side of the plate.
2: So we're talking about Jed Lowry. Uh, Fantasy Pros, ADP currently 277. FBC he said, is about 260. Um, one thing he does a lot of is is double. So... You know, that might be better in a points league, plus his plate discipline's pretty good. So he might, like I said, be better in that format. The last two years he's played basically a full season, two thousand seventeen. He was the number ten second baseman in points leagues. Last year number four. Run to a little bit different. He was number seventeen in two thousand seventeen, number seven in uh two thousand eighteen. Um one thing I did look at, Heath though, was he's played basically four full seasons in his career. And I'll count 136 games as one of his four full seasons. Not full, but for him, it's it's amazing. Um, in three of those four seasons, he basically hit the same amount of home runs at home as he did on the road. Last year, however, he hit 19 of his 23 home runs on the road. So just general question, like how many home runs do you think he's hitting? Because 23 was a career high, as you mentioned. His previous career high was 16 for Jed Lowry.
0: If I had to set a projection for Jed Lowry for this year, if you're telling me it's a 150 game projection then I would probably set it at 20.
2: And he's just like a middle infield option for you, or he could be a starting second baseman?
0: I think he could be a starting second baseman, but you can draft him as a middle infielder.
2: And I think he might gain some more eligibility, right? I mean, they, they might move him
1: around. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets third base. I mean, he, he'll he probably play third base pretty regularly, right? He might start there. It's possible. Oh, right. Right. Because I, I think that they, there's been talk about him starting at third and Frazier moving to first. Right.
0: There's, I think there's a good chance that you've got him as a middle infield, corner infield option.
2: All right, Heat's breakouts. Three breakouts of the sleepers, and there are more. They'll be on the website, but we're just doing three of each. Uh The sleepers were Hamilton, Cody Allen, and Jed Lowry. The breakouts, let's go to the Biebs. Shane Bieber, what an amazing walk-to-strikeout ratio. 23 walks, 118 strikeouts in 114 and two-thirds. Um, he's a sleeper for you, Shane Bieber.
0: Well, and then the great thing is it's not quite as good as it was in the minor leagues. I mean, he, he was a guy, every level of the minor leagues until 48 innings of AAA, he walked less than a batter per nine innings. He has elite control, and he's a good ground ball pitcher, generally above 46% in terms of ground ball rate. Normally, those two things alone are enough to make you a good starting pitcher, but if he strikes out a batter per inning as well, he could be a great starting pitcher. He had a 3.23 FIP last year, 3.30 X XFIP. His problem was he was not very good with runners on base. I generally ascribe that to bad luck, but it could be that he struggled a little out of the stretch. He had a 69% strand rate and gave up a 356 Babip. I I think he's going to be a very good starting pitcher this year.
1: And here was my concern with him I thought, you know, maybe coming in that he might be like a Joey Lucchese type where the minor league numbers were really good, but he got by on. You know, really good control, deception, but not so much stuff. But, uh, Adam, you talked about it a little bit yesterday, but the Aces stat that uh, Aaron Salceda created, you can read about that on cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. Um, and you can see the full results if you subscribe to Sportsline. Shane Bieber was actually 70th percentile uh, by his metric, which is basically attempting to quantify stuff based on velocity Uh, movement and control. That makes me a lot more optimistic about Shane Bieber than I would have been otherwise because he's not just getting by on guile. He's not someone that, you know, has to pitch in the strike zone to avoid walks, but gets hammered because of it. I think he can survive this. But he he kind of
2: did get hammered. That was kind of what I was going to say. Like is, is is Shane Bieber in the strike zone too much? It reminds me a little bit of Taiwan Walker. Um, who did he had a great walk to strikeout ratio? Well, not as not not like Bieber. Um, actually, the strikeouts weren't as good, but he it was a very good control pitcher. He just gave up a ton of home runs. But Bieber, I mean, the hard contact rate was very high for him. Uh, I just wonder. I feel like we were saying that last year, like he was getting hit hit way too hard.
1: Yeah, but that's again, as I said a, a lot, that's not necessarily. A skill that stabilizes in 110 innings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he basically every advanced metric suggests that he pitched really well last season. Uh, right. Even the expected uh, stats from Baseball Savant suggests that he was probably 30 points unlucky on batting average and 50 points unlucky on slugging percentage. Um, I think there's there's just a lot a lot to like here.
2: Okay. So Bieber is going uh, 183rd overall. He is just outside the top 40 at starting pitcher. Some pitchers going in the same range are Eduardo Rodriguez, John Lester, Yusei Kukichi, and Kyle Freeland. Um,
1: I think I like him more than any of those
2: guys. All right. The next two are interesting Andrew Heaney and Nick Pavetta.
1: I think those guys are right there with him.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, breakouts, uh, part two, or number two. Eloy Jimenez. Let's see where Mr. Jimenez is going.
1: Um, Way too
0: late for his possible upset. 123rd.
1: I, I do agree that Eloy Jimenez is a breakout. He's going to put up the best numbers of his major league <laughs> career this season.
2: Thanks, Chris. 123rd overall, Eloy Jimenez. Not in our drafts, that's for sure.
0: I just don't see any— Like, If you want to get in on the rookie hype this year— I would much, much, much rather take Eloy Jimenez at the end of the 10th round or the 9th round or really even the 8th round than I would take Vlad Guerrero Jr. in the 3rd or the 4th round. This is a guy who had a 961 OPS last year, was even better at AAA, had a 15% strikeout rate, hit 22 home runs in 108 games. He could be an absolute star. And his profile looks pretty safe, too.
2: Okay, yeah, we like Eloy Jimenez. Um, he is going, like I said, about the end of the tenth round. I just want to see the other outfielders going in that range. Oh, they would include Aaron Hicks and
1: at NFBC, Dana Will Miralda. Myers, AJ Pollock, um, D Gordon. I guess is an outfielder. Aaron oh. Hicks. I would definitely take him over Hicks. Um. Yeah, probably, but I, I really like Hicks this year. I think he's gonna have a good year. Um I would probably still take A. J. Pollock over Elohimenez in that range, but I think he certainly fits. I think he, I think he's a nice value. I think AJ Pollock's just a little underrated. Last
2: breakout is JT Ray Muto. Again, there are more on the website, but JT Raya Muto, your number one catcher now. Uh yeah, go ahead. Where where do you think he should be taken? He's and, going in the fifty fifty eighth overall.
0: Yeah, I, I think in a two-catcher league, he should go in the third round. And I was tempted to say he should go in the second round. Uh, we talked about park factors just a little bit. His new park is the best home run park for right-handed hitters. Better than Coors, better than Yankee Stadium, better than everywhere else. And I think there's a legitimate shot that we see like a Christian Yelich star turn from Real Muto. Now, he won't be quite that good because he's a catcher, but he's going to be a good hitter for a baseball player, not a good hitter for a catcher.
2: Yeah, I just want to, if you have a chance, maybe somebody could look up where Real Muto's been drafted in the last week or since the trade. Sure. Because certainly the park factor helps going from Miami to Philadelphia. And, all right, general question here. I think uh, we might disagree on this. Is Real Muto's value higher in a one-catcher or two-catcher league?
0: I I say one.
1: I think it's higher in a two-catcher league.
0: I think all catchers' value is higher in a two-catcher
1: league because in a two-catcher league, relative to the rest of your lineup, probably 15 of the catchers drafted are going to be har- actively harmful. Um, Oh, I don't know about that. I, May, yeah, I maybe can't, like, but like a decent seat, like Heath, who's your like number 11 catcher?
0: Uh, it might be Wellington Castillo.
1: Right, so like a a good Wellington-Castillo season would be like 260 with 17 home runs and 130 combined runs in RBI. Or Mike Zanino.
2: I actually think it's less about how many catchers you start and how many hitters you start. Uh, So I guess in my mind, the two catcher leagues we play in are five outfielders, corner infield, middle infield, utility. They're much bigger, where one guy doesn't have as much of an impact on your team. Whereas in a one catcher league that we typically play in, it's three outfielders, it's no corner infield, no middle infield, so, so
0: all hitters are less valuable in a rotor league.
2: Yeah, all hitters are less valuable in. So
0: that would that wouldn't really change Realmoto's. But value, but position
2: scarcity important. comes more into play. I think in uh, I don't know. I, I think when it, did the Realmoto trade go down? Leagues. By the
1: way, was it like Thursday? It it was
2: Thursday. That's exactly right. when it was. Yeah.
1: Over the last five days, there have been 12 drafts on NFBC, and his ADP has not changed. He's 48th overall. That's too low.
2: All right, let's go to Heath's busts. The breakouts were Bieber, Jimenez, Eloy Jimenez, and JT Realmuto. Miguel Andujar is one of Heath's busts. Quick little ADP check for Andujar, who was the number eight third baseman. Ooh, he's going early. 76th overall. Number eight third baseman last year. 76. That's (laughs) early.
0: Nope. No way. (laughs) Adam was already. To argue with me no. over a Yankee being a oh, bust. Oh, no, now, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, I just – I really – he's fine. I don't think he's a bad baseball player, but he's a little bit of a, an accumulator. I don't know that there's going to be an enormous difference between – and you're going to hate this – between him and Jed Lowry. And you can get Jed Lowry 200 spots later.
1: I think that's fair. Uh like, I, I, I think it depends. I think he Jed Lowry. I think
2: Jed Lowry stinks. I think it's a bad sleeper call because Jed Lowry had like one good stretch at the beginning of the year, and then he acted like a thirty-four-year-old hitter, and he was completely useless and should not have been on rosters
0: for he most of the year. He was value two years ago at this age. Yeah, two
2: years ago he had this like ridiculous
1: doubles year, but also he stinks.
2: He's not a win- he's not winning anything for your
1: team. Like Miguel and Duhar probably had just as long of a stretch as Jed Lowry that was playing above his head. Based on his minor league production, at least, like he wasn't this kind of hitter. But nobody is nobody's about... as good in the minors as they like. Most people are not as good in the minors as they are
2: the majors. We do this every time I a guy disagree. gets called up. Not Strong like they always disagree. hit for more power in the majors. They get older. They like the power. The environment's different. The ball is different. I mean, I, how many times do we talk about I th- this?
1: I think that's selection bias. I like we can talk about like we can talk about Miguel and Duhar or labor Torres or some other high profile guys, but there's a ton of guys that get called up and don't hit for as much power. Reese Hoskins, did not hit for as much power. Matt Olson last year did not hit for as much power. But he hit for as much Byron power two Buxton years ago. Can't hit at all. In I know, majors, but, but he's a superstar in the minors. But minor,
2: I don't know. I mean, you, you're talking about what guys do when they're 21, 22 years old. When they get to the majors and they're more developed physically, they're obviously they have the chance to put up bigger numbers.
1: He I don't. I, the minor two Years ago. He and Duhar
2: is months. a bust at 76 overall. I am not arguing that. Uh right, good. I don't know what he does. I I think he's I think he's probably going to be a good source of doubles. He hit 47 last year. He hit 36 in 125 minor league games uh in 2017. Um I don't know. He doesn't walk.
1: Adam, I'm going to make yeah. you mad with a comp. You ready? Yeah. Chris Cogman. I don't know. I, I don't Had, think like, he's bad almost though. an identical rookie season.
2: Maybe. I don't want Miguel Andujar, so I'm not going to argue it, but he's better than Jed Lowry.
0: Uh, yeah, he, he is slightly better than Jed. He's Lover. a lot better than Jed.
2: Not
1: 200 Lover. spots. He tripped over that bar.
2: Shohei Otani is a bust for Heath.
0: Yeah, I don't know when we're going to see Shohei Otani back on the Angels' healthy active roster, and when we do see him back on the active roster, I don't expect he's going to play every day. I don't think he can hit lefties. He might be a better version of Kyle Schwarber on a with steals, but I don't. I think you're probably getting four to five games a week, and not until maybe late May.
2: And he had a 654 OPS against lefties. Otani is going 122nd overall, one pick ahead of Eloy Jimenez. And he's only that, DH that's, eligible. That's
0: absurd.
2: Yeah. Uh, last bust is Madison Bumgarner, Heath. Bumgarner ADP is 73rd. All right, so he's not going super high.
0: That is That is super high. I mean, he has been able to get by with um, not as good a stuff as he used to have, and he did a good job pitching below his peripherals the last two years. But he's had a 3.95 FIP and a 3.99 FIP, and he's not striking anybody out. And I think, Chris, you said that uh, Aces piece wasn't very
1: good for him either. <laughs> yeah, he is uh, in the 14th percentile in, uh, in this stat below the likes of Jeff Samarja, Felix Hernandez, Lucas Giolito, Tyson Ross, it's not not great. Well, but the park helps. That's that's the biggest case for him. Yeah.
2: And he had a 3.26 ERA last year. In fact, he's never had an ERA higher than 3.37.
1: And but, that's oh. that's mostly I think the last 2 years because of the park. The the other thing is he's not going deep into games either
2: one two four whip uh last year is very alarming
0: i i think the comp with him and david price is really interesting and i've got them in very similar spots
2: yeah but i uh, would
0: want either one until the ninth round and
2: garner's 22nd and price is 26th among starting pitchers on fantasy pros and for that
1: aces stat david price ranks in the 55th percentile so just to to show the difference there that's not doesn't necessarily mean David Price will be much better than Bumgarner, especially because of the home park, but it's uh, it's worth noting.
2: It's just that look at the guys going after Bumgarner on Fantasy Pros. I think you guys would easily take Barrios over him, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All
1: right, but then...
0: Chris doesn't like to say
1: positive things about Jose Barrios ever. It's
2: fine. Mike Fultonevich, I'd take Bumgarner over fulton I
1: think so, too. Yep. I think the ceiling's higher.
2: Armand Marquez
1: i take her Mar- Marquez.
2: And then David Price. And then Zach Wheeler, Miles Michaelis, Robbie Ray, Luis Castillo.
1: I just kind of think Price and Baumgartner both are being drafted too high right now.
2: There was a reason why I really liked David Price, but I don't remember, Chris. So maybe I'll try to remember for tomorrow's show. Uh, one thing I do like, that I know I'll like today and tomorrow, is the uh, CBS Sports Baseball Commissioner... The site that is built for serious leagues like yours. All right. You listen to this podcast, you care about fantasy baseball. This is customizable. You can create your own stat categories, adjust scoring by position. Obviously, you can play points, roto, categories. We got, we got it all on CBS. Uh, deep player pool with minor leaguers and a feature to add your own player, advanced stats for the analytics, savvy managers, and you can build franchises. We're getting really good with dynasty now. We've got great in-app commissioner tools. Sign up right now. Uh, get, go to cbsports.com slash FBT and start your league today. cbsports.com slash FBT. Sign up on CBS. You will not regret it. It is just, It is just the best. Last year, we tried a new segment and uh, ended up being... We didn't just try it, Adam. We nailed it. We succeeded. Yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And if you're new to it, it's a commissioner, usually a commissioner issue type of segment. It's called the Fantasy Regulators. Why? Because Nate Dogg and Warren G stopped by for this segment. And we play this music and we talk and it's just wonderful. So here we go with the Regulators. This... Yeah, uh, not yet. Are you gonna steal my? Huh? Hold on for it. You son of a! Just stop. That's on. my thing. Shh, shh. No, I. Re- no, I'm not gonna play it. Unbelievable. I'm not gonna play it. You are a oh. monster. <laughs> All right. This comes from the Otani oh. owner. I need help with what to do with Shohei Otani. Oh. We use. <laughs> we used Yahoo last year, and he was split as a pitcher and a hitter. This year, we're using another website, and Otani is only one player. Both owners were planning on keeping him. What's the best way to handle this situation?
1: This is Um, fun. I I think it depends on how long the keeper value is. Um, If it's just for this year, then just give it to the guy who has him as a hitter, because Shohei Otani is not going to pitch in the majors this year. If it's multiple years, then it gets a little uh, dicier. Um, I believe on CBS Sports Commissioner you could create another Shohei Otani.
0: I think that if Ooh. it's multiple years, the guy who has him as a hitter should get to keep him this year. The pitcher gets to keep him next year. The hitter gets to keep him the year after that.
1: It's just going to a time Yes. That's very strange. Co-parenting plan. That's very strange. I actually Maybe the, the guy who has him as a pitcher gets to use him on the days he starts and weekends. <laughs> uh, the guy who has him as a hitter gets holidays and the days he's hitting. You know what you could do? As you can see, what
2: round they each have them in, and and see who's willing to go higher. Like,
1: oh, you can have like an auction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which you I, I like you, the, uh, the, to the co-parenting up? plan better. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that
2: one so much. All right, so that those are some options. You decide, Otani Owner. Next up, Corey. We're adding two league members to our ten-team head-to-head categories league. How should we set the draft order? Normally, we draft in reverse order from the previous season's finish. The worst team gets the first pick in the first round, and we snake. Should the new guys slot in at spots 11 or 12, or is that too uh, too favorable? Uh, maybe randomly draw for any spot between 1 through 12. So, yeah, what do you guys do about draft order? They're adding new teams.
1: I don't quite understand the point of giving the team that finished worst last year the first pick in a non-keeper league. Agreed. Just do it random.
2: No, I, well, if you want to... You can do it random. If you want, I think maybe you let the worst team pick his draft spot or her draft spot. And then, but, every, but then everybody gets to pick, but being in Being bad
0: last year has no effect on this year. It's not like you're keeping all your bad players from last year. No, but it's... You shouldn't get an advantage because you were terrible last
1: year. Stop rewarding failure, <laughs>
0: Adam. <laughs> Probably, the, ch- the chances are, the guy who finished last quit playing in, like, July. And we Just don't want so, to reward that.
1: Yeah, uh, okay.
2: Um... Wait, so what are we doing about the forget about Randomize. that one? What are we Randomize. doing about the two new
1: owners? Randomize everyone. Randomizing Random. every single person. Okay.
2: That has been regulated. Mm. Last one uh. is from the commission you're doing it wrong, the commission queens. Hey, Joseph, Ed, Judy, and JLo television judges. The The last two years I've won my league, I believe I've identified a strategic loophole that virtually guarantees a uh, playoff spot. Our league has a $100 FAB uh, budget um, for ads throughout the year, and we can move up to five moves per week. We can make up to five moves per week. On the website, a CBS competitor, Mm. where we run our league, the pitching limits are set at five starts minimum and seven maximum every week. However... If you wait until the last possible day, you can stack your streaming starting pitchers and go over the starting limit, sometimes by as much as four additional starts, giving you up to 11 per week without locking your lineup. In past years, we've adjusted limits to try and stop this from happening but not set any rules to outlaw this behavior. This year, I've been elected commissioner. Is it my job to put rules in a place that would knowingly blow up my winning strategy for the good of the league or screw these guys and take home the trophy for a three-year?
1: Heavy is the head that wears the crown, and you have to do as commissioner what is best for the league. And if you believe putting the kibosh on this strategy is the best thing for the league, that's what you gotta do. Oh.
2: (laughs) And that has been regulated. All right, what else do we have coming up on today's show? We got an email about second-half breakouts. We're going to do the Aces analysis that you've heard a little bit of so far. And then pros and cons for picks 21 through 30. And if we have time, some of your emails at at com. All that is coming up right after this.
3: True green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
2: And here's our email of the day. It's from Hugh in St. Louis, Missouri. I was thinking about how Snell and Bauer had good second halves in 2017 and continued that into 2018. Who are similar guys that had a great second half in 2018 that you think will take the next step and keep it going in 2019?
1: Can, can I just, can I just poop on it?
0: Say it. You're, it's dumb.
1: Go the ahead. second half, no, second half out. breakouts I mean, do not tend to be predictive of future success. Full season statistics are generally more <sighs> predictive than half season statistics.
2: Yeah, but sometimes when you got a young player who maybe makes an adjustment, like Blake Snell moved on the mound, Trevor Bauer changes arsenal a little bit, you can identify things that you buy into a little bit more.
0: You could. So I, I think that's I think that's a very good point. Uh the obvious answer would be Ronald Acuna or Tommy Pham.
2: That, that, or, okay, I came up with three and Pham was one of them, yeah.
0: Or Adalberto Mondesi. Uh okay. But th- those are and, guys Mondesi in the second half last year had an eight thirty five OPS with right. twenty seven steals in fifty four games.
2: Do you do you buy it?
0: not not quite as much.
2: So I, two other players that I thought of for this exercise, David Dahl. And the problem with David Dahl is like, it really was like eight games at the end of the year. He had six home runs in his last eight games. Um, Ahmed Rosario. And boy, did I crunch the numbers on Ahmed Rosario.
1: Um, he started running. That was a big thing for him. Yeah, he started he, like, leading off. 12 of his 15 steals were in the last two months or something like that.
2: Uh, last 47 games was when he, had his best production batted 303 and stole 13 bases there you go uh 47 games but he's got a really bad split in his two seasons which is not a ton of games but terrible at home and even in those 47 games he played 19 home games and batted 171 with three steals <laughs> and he was great in his 28 road games so i don't know if that's inflating that uh, those numbers in that final stretch
0: I, I will t- say another guy that I don't know that I can give a lot of evidence to back it up, but he kind of showed in the second half last year what I've thought he could be, and he's another one of my breakout candidates, and that's Joey Gallo. And it's just that he's continually had an absurdly low Babip in the second half last year. He had a 286 Babip and hit 240. If he can hit 240, he's going to be an absolute monster.
1: Yeah, if he hits 240, that's that's an easy like fourth or fifth round player. Tommy Pham is kind of tough because you
2: you don't know throughout his career how much the vision issues have have affected his numbers. Second half, well, not second half, but with the Rays, um, he was excellent. 39 games with Tampa Bay. He had a 1071 OPS, and he stole five bases in 39 games. Like a star.
1: I'll point to two that I do believe in. Uh, And one was mostly just he wasn't healthy in the first half. Justin Turner is... Perpetually injured, and I understand that, but he is also one of the ten or fifteen best hitters in baseball, and he's available, I think, around a hundred overall right now. That's a steal. Like I, I think, if you're looking for the next J.D. Martinez, the next guy who is finally going to stay healthy and have that monster season, I think Justin Turner absolutely has the potential to return first round production. Really? Yes. That's like I, I think he could hit. 330 with 25 to 30 home runs and a bunch of runs and steals because he gets our runs an RBI because he gets on base a ton. He hits for good power. He's, he'll be in a good lineup. I think Justin Turner, he he was the fourth best hitter by OPS and the fourth best by way to runs created plus last year in the second half.
0: And I think Scott White would want us to say Herman Marquez. He had a yeah. two sixty one ERA in the second half with a two twenty-five FIP. strikeout rate, 5% walk rate.
2: Yeah, Luis Castillo is another guy that comes to mind. Yep. And uh, I'll throw Fran
1: Mureas out there as well. He could not make contact when he was first called up. They sent him back down. Uh, He got called back up in the second half. Over 180 plate appearances, struck out 21% of the time, hit 315 with a 920 uh, OPS. That was The strikeout rate was more in line with what he did in the minors. And uh, I think there's a there's a lot of breakout potential there.
2: How do you guys feel about David Dahl? Because people are pretty excited about him. David Dahl is going. Um, sorry, yeah, 96th overall. He's going before Justin Turner.
1: <laughs> I, I think that's a little silly, but he looks to be a competent hitter who plays half his games at Coors Field, so. Ian Desmond was like a top 30 hitter last year or whatever. I would feel a lot better about it as soon as Carlos Gonzalez signs with somebody else.
2: Oh, last thing, uh, Michael Conforto. I think we all... Sure, and that, and that way, was right? another injury one. Yes, he got his, healthy. His shoulder yeah. just wasn't right. Yeah. Okay, so Chris, talk to us about uh, Aces, this new pitching analytic. Is
1: that a thing? Analytic? Yeah, stat. Yeah, metric. stat, sure. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Aaron Sauceda came up with this. He pitched it to me, and basically he weighs um, the amount of movement that a pitcher gets, the amount of velocity that they throw with, and he incorporates Stats Inc.'s uh, very new over the last two years stat called Command Plus. And it's basically just an attempt to quantify a pitcher stuff. You know, we can talk about this guy's got great stuff. That guy's got great stuff. This isn't an attempt to put, you know, an actual weight to, and what he found was one, it is predictable year over year, 2017's, uh, ACEs score explained most of 2018. So it does appear to have a basis in skill. And it was actually the, the correlation between ACEs and, uh, DRA or FIP or any of those um, was about as strong as any of them to ERA. So it does appear to affect um, results as well. Now, this is entirely not a results based stat. It's all about what the pitcher does. Um, and you look at it Garrett Cole and Noah Syndergaard were the two highest ranked guys. Justin Verlander was third. Luis Severino was fifth. Chris Sale. That seems to match up with what you'd you'd think, but there are some surprising results like Nathan Uvalde being fourth, Zach Wheeler being eighth, Charlie Morton and Joshua James being in the top 10. Um, I I think it's going to be a useful tool moving forward. If you want to see the full results and more of uh, Aaron's analysis based on it, you subscribe to sportsline.com with the promo code score and you'll get your first month for half off. And, I think this is going to be really useful. I'm really excited to see uh, how this works. And, you know, 2017, Charlie Morton was a top 10 pitcher. We didn't see, based on this metric, we didn't see the results yet, but it certainly showed what was coming. Mm,
2: it's good stuff. That could certainly help. And, yes, by the way, half off at Sportsline is, like, it's really, really inexpensive. It's 10 bucks a month. Yeah. So, and especially if you like to gamble. It's just outstanding. So gambling advice, fantasy advice, good stuff on Sportsline.com. Sportsline.com slash score to get your first month for only 5 bucks. Just check it out and see how you like it. All right, another series on the website that you need to check out. Oh, by the way, I need to point out analytic does not mean what I used it as. That was a, just a dreadful.
0: <laughs> I think all of our listeners are shocked.
2: Yeah. Just go with just metric. Yeah, metric. Stat. 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 Stat's a small enough word for me. I could master that. Thing. Uh thing is more letters than stat. Let's stick with stat. <laughs> so twenty-one through thirty, we got write-ups on the top three hundred players, a pro and a con for each of them for drafting. Um so let's start with uh number twenty-one, Corey Kluber. Who wants to be pro? Who wants to be con? We got two cons today, so who's uh gonna be the
1: positive poly over there? I-, I think he should be the con still. Yeah. He- he's a much less agreeable person than I am. Okay. So the not sure at all. <laughs> pro
2: Chris, give me the pro to using uh, only second half statistics to predict a 2019 breakout. I will not. All right, give me the pro, the case for drafting Corey Kluber.
1: Uh, he's kind of like the Paul Goldschmidt of pitchers. He's a bit older than you think he is. He's not necessarily the best uh, at what he does, but he's holding up remarkably well. He we did see some signs of slippage last season, but even in sli- even signs of slippage means he struck out over 220 batters and was the second-best pitcher in fantasy over the last three years. So there's still – you know, Scott was talking about this yesterday where there were signs of slippage with Corey Kluver. Sure, he still was very, very good and was has been very, very durable.
2: Yeah, he was the uh, number three in points, number six in roto. So he th- instead of like you know giving a, a a fake take of why you wouldn't draft Corey. Kluger, I've got one right now. His yeah, swing yeah.
0: strike rate was down to twelve percent, which is all the way back to the number that he had in two thousand fourteen. And by taking him in the second round, you are needing him to be one of the top four or five pitchers in baseball. He's probably going to be very very good. I agree with the things that Chris said, but he's probably more of one of the number six through ten starters instead of number top five. All
2: right, number twenty two. Maybe we should switch the roles on this one. <laughs> no, no, I got it. <laughs> Andrew Benintendi. We have to force Heath to say something bad about Benintendi. 22. Wait, wait. Uh, question. Where are these? How did you decide on the order? Like These why? are
1: Scott and Heath's consensus ranks. Okay. 22, Andrew Benintendi. Andrew Benintendi is one of the safest picks that you can make outside of the top 20 players. I. Don't see a ton of upside, but you know you're gonna get something close to 2020, you know you're gonna get something close to 275 to 290 average, you're gonna get 190 combined runs in RBI. He's basically pre-breakout Christian Yelich, and that's a very valuable, very safe player with a really solid skill set.
0: He's a bit of an accumulator, and he doesn't accumulate that many. Of anything other than runs in RBI, which are completely dependent on the situation around him. he's has not hit more than 20 home runs or stolen more than 21 bases. And if his BABIP goes back to where it was in 2017, he's not even that great of an average guy.
2: I'm surprised that Benintendi is 22nd. Because where does Scott have him? Because I know he's like, likes Benintendi a lot.
1: Like 32nd?
2: Where do you have Ben Benintendi?
1: 13th. In what format? It's crazy town banana pants. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, I, he's the breakout in what format? Either format? Either format. What do you think he's going to break out to do? Like, not just to become, but like, which skills are going to break out? Like, was he going to hit 330?
0: Well, he's hitting the off now, so uh-huh. he's going to
1: get more plate appearances. Sure. He's going to score more he's runs. He's going to
0: get like 22 more plate appearances. Right. He's going to score more runs. Uh-huh. And I think there's a, a very good chance at age 24 that he still has a little bit of a power boost coming. I could see a 25, 110, 80, 20 season where he hits 300.
2: 23 on the list is Charlie Blackman. Chris, case four, Charlie Blackman.
1: When your bad season has you hitting 291 with 29 homers, 189 combined runs in RBI, and 12 steals, I don't really feel like I have to make a case for him. He still hits at course field. He's still a five-category contributor. We are one year removed from him being the number one hitter in fantasy. It's an easy call. I think he's a steal at 23 overall. There aren't this many. Like, he might be just better than Christian Yelich this year. I don't think that's a stretch at all. It might be likely. He will turn 33 years old this year. He did see his strikeout rate go up a little bit last
0: year. He did see his hard contact rate go down when everyone else's went up. And he hit more ground balls last year than he has since 2012. Those could have just been, okay, it was a small decline last year or it was a bad year last year. I don't necessarily disagree with that take from Chris, but it's also it moving into your mid thirties and starting to see those types of skills go the wrong direction, could pretend more of that.
2: And next up we have another Rocky, Trevor Story. He's had a a Rocky career. A Rocky career. Trevor Story, Chris, the case for drafting him.
1: He was arguably the most improved player in baseball, and he started looking a lot more like the guy he was in the minors. He cut the strikeout rate uh, enough to where it wasn't an issue, and he started running. And you know, something that Scott White says a lot is that stealing bases is mostly about wanting to. And if the Rockies are cool with him running as often as they did last year, I think that the upside here is huge. He played like a first-round player, and you're getting him potentially in the third round. That's a, that's a situation where you could be looking at two or three first-round picks on your squad if you take Trevor Story. Yeah, I think the, the concern
0: is, and Chris has brought this up before, John Carlos Stanton, when he cut his strikeout rate by a huge percentage, the next year, it just kind of went back up. And he did still have 11.5% swinging strike rate, which is only one point lower than his career mark. So I think there's a concern that the strikeout rate goes back up close to 30%. The Babbitt maybe, maybe comes back to the 330 range where it was in 2017, and you've got a 250-260 hitter again.
2: I mean, does really... Story's value really depend on the steals.
0: P- partial, I mean, it depends on everything if he's going to be a first-round player like he was last year.
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the fulcrums for his season are going to come down to that strikeout rate and the stolen bases. If one of them declines, I think he can still be a second- or third-round player. If both of them... You know, if he goes back to being a what eight to twelve steal guy and a two forty hitter with a thirty percent strikeout rate, then we're we're gonna see the same guy who we were taking one hundred twentieth overall.
2: All right, here's Blake Snell at twenty fifth overall. Blake Snell,
1: I, I think a a solid place to start is he was the exception to Tampa Bay's opener experiment. He was the guy that they trusted to go three times through the order, and he lived up to the wildest expectations possible. He doubled his curveball usage and refined his control. It made him a much better pitcher. Uh, the 11.1 or 11.0 K per nine was backed up by an elite 15.1% swing strike rate, which I believe was top five in baseball induced more swings than ever on pitches out of the strike zone. And you know, a one eighty nine ERA is, is unreasonable to expect except that Blake Snell pretty much did it every year in the minors too.
0: Yeah, he had a three three zero Sierra, and so the re- big reason for the gap between those two numbers, he had a two forty one 41 babbitt and an 88% strand rate. So he has a ton of regression coming, and it's not just in the stuff that he controls, but also he's got some regression coming and wins likely. He's not going to go win 21 t- games on the Rays again.
2: All right, 26 overall. That was Blake Snell. This is really a guy <laughs> that just it flummoxes me. Giancarlo Stanton. 26 overall. I mean, you obviously have an opportunity to get one of the best hitters, but we what Stanton's going to show up? The case for taking Stanton here at 26.
1: He was the number two player in fantasy two years ago. Do I have to go on? No. How many players have that kind of upside? Right, bro? right. Charlie Blackman did it that here. He was number one. Mookie Betts and Mike Trout. Jose Ramirez. Other than that, how many players do we reasonably think could be have the potential to be the top one or two players he's done it um it's going to come down to him improving his strikeout rate but he's done that before and one thing you'll see a lot when guys change leagues is that first year there's a bit of a decline as they get used to new parks new pitchers that they haven't faced etc and then after that we'll start to see improvement if he gets back to 2017 even if he doesn't hit 57 homers he might be the odds on favor to lead the majors in home runs.
0: He's injury prone.
1: He's going to DH a little bit though.
0: I was just trying to make Chris upset. I injury prone really, is not a
1: stat. I don't really skill.
0: believe that he's injury prone. He did hit 266 last year with a 333 bat pip, which is like the second highest of his career. I do think that when you look at his last four years and see a strikeout rate of 29.9, 29.8, 29.9, 23.6, it's pretty easy to see which one the outlier is. So he's probably not going to improve his strikeout rate again.
2: All right, that's Giancarlo Stanton. Right after him, we have Juan Soto, 27th overall. Go ahead, Chris.
1: Major League Baseball has been played for 142 years. In that time, only 97 players have seen at least 100 played appearances as a 19-year-old. So already, Juan Soto is in rare company. You're talking 99.9th percentile among Major Leaguers. Nobody has ever been better as a 19-year-old than Juan Soto was. He hit for power, he hit for average, he walked, he didn't strike out. He even threw in five steals in, in less than a full season. There might be double-digit steal potential here. We could be looking at, hold on to your hats, a, an Albert Pujols or Joey Votto-like talent. And Albert Pujols was basically the number one pick for a decade in fantasy.
0: He had a 54% ground ball rate and only a 17% line drive rate. And in a year when the hard contact rate went way, way up, his was just 34.8%. That is fine for a 19-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, but it's not really very good bad at ball profile for a Major League Baseball player. How do we
2: feel about Soto, 27th overall?
0: Oh, I like him a lot.
1: (laughs) I don't love it. I... (laughs) I could see, like, the floor is really high because of his skill set, although even then he's a 20-year-old in his second Major League season, so who knows what's going to be discovered about him uh, from opposing pitchers. But I I think the floor is like a good Eric Hosmer season, but I don't think the ceiling is quite as realistically high as I think we might be hoping for because, as he said, the batted ball profile is less than ideal.
2: I can't see taking him over guys that we're going to talk about. Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant. I just can't see taking Soto over those guys, but uh, I'm sure some people would. Javier Baez. we got three more guys. Let's get through it here. Javier Baez, 28th overall. We know it, it, where he's going around the end of round one is way too early for Javier Baez, but what about 28th overall? Chris, make the case.
1: Yeah, 13th overall, which is his ADP on NFBC. That's way too high, but we're talking about maybe the single most dynamic player in baseball, a guy with just Mountains worth of skills, um, huge raw power, incredibly athletic and fast, and we saw it all come together. He started swinging. Uh, He didn't strike out quite as much, so his plate discipline was a little better. He still swings at everything, but his selection has become much better, and his ability to put the bat on the ball has become better, and that's all he needs to do. If he puts the bat on the ball consistently, he's a stud.
0: Yeah, I just... I don't think there are too many players in the history that have had a 32% fly ball rate, a 35% hard contact rate, and hit 34 home runs. I wouldn't expect him to hit 30 home runs this year. I wouldn't expect him to score 100 runs or drive in 111 or steal 21 bases. He had a fantastic year last year, but it was probably his career
2: year. Javier Baez, 28. Two more. Aaron Nola, 29th overall. Chris, Aaron Nola.
1: I used to have my doubts about Aaronola, about his upside, and then he went and added two miles per hour for his fastball. That's made everything play up well. He avoids hard contact. He excels with both command and control, which isn't what, uh, isn't something that everybody does. And now we've got three straight seasons for Aaronola being in the top 10 in fit. He's an ace. Is he? He's.
0: Yeah, we'll find out. It was a pretty significant jump in innings last year, up to 212. He'd never thrown up more than 168 in the major leagues and 178 overall. So it'll be interesting to see how he responds to that. He did get pretty lucky last year with a 251 BABIP and an 83% strand rate. His numbers for his career in those areas are 291 and 75%. So even in a best-case scenario, you're probably looking about a full run's worth of regression from his ERA.
2: And number 30 overall, a guy that was... Arguably a first-round pick, maybe more like a second-round pick last year, but he's been, I would say, a top-15 pick, uh, Anthony Rizzo. We have him 30th overall. All right, I'll say
1: top-18 pick,
2: Um, but now he's 30th. So make the case for Anthony Rizzo.
1: We've talked a lot about guys who haven't had their best-case scenario season, that season where everything clicks into place like Javier Baez did last season. I think you can make the case that both we haven't seen the absolute best case scenario for Anthony Rizzo. He hasn't had the season where he put the power with the average, with the stolen bases that he's capable of. But I also think we saw his worst case scenario last season. Pretty much everything moved in the wrong direction. Um, Not in terms of skill set necessarily because he had a 27.5% line drive rate and the same batted uh, batted ball data as previously otherwise. Uh, But just in terms of the stuff that he can't control, his Babbitt was below uh, his career. I was uh, sorry. His Babbitt was at his career mark, but it wasn't as high (laughs) as we've seen. He's had some seasons in the 310 range, um, but the home run to fly ball rate was down. The Babbitt was low relative to his career high. This is a long one. Line drive rate. This is a long one. And he was a first round pick last year. (laughs) I was playing for, you off. Go ahead. He's just
0: too far behind Paul Goldschmidt and Freddie Freeman. He does not make elite contact in terms of hard contact rate. He does not minimize soft contact necessarily at an elite rate. He doesn't get down in that 15% range. He's just not going to be a huge guy in any one category. You're looking at somewhere around a two seventy two eighty 280 average with 25 to 30 home runs. He's very, very good, but maybe not a difference maker.
2: Yeah, this is Anthony Rizzo we're talking about, and he, I, I was kind of surprised when I looked into Rizzo's numbers where he finished amongst hitters in his best season, his best season, you know, his normal seasons. Um, he Let's see. So last five seasons, this is where he's ranked in points leagues. 20th among hitters, not first baseman. 20th, 5th, 12th, 8th, and 21st. So that's three top 12 finishes in points leagues. But in Roto... Whether OBP or batting average, 22, 13, 26, 20, 36. So in a roto league, Rizzo's probably about 20th in his, you know, his normal season among hitters. In a points league, he's probably top 12 because his plate discipline's so good. Um, that's just something to keep in mind. And that is going to end our wonderful Tuesday show. We'll come back with a Wednesday show tomorrow where we're going to give you a preview of every single team. We did this last year, like a quick sleeper breakout bus position battle kind of deal for every single team in the majors, and it should be really, really helpful. We also have a draft coming up today, a head-to-head categories draft, so we can talk about that tomorrow. And then the position previews are starting at the end of this week. Thank you, Chris and Heath. Good job, guys.
1: Excellent job, Adam. Thank you, Adam.
2: For uh. Chris and Heath, i Adam. We'll talk to you tomorrow.